Content warning. This episode contains graphic descriptions of homophobia, including the use of homophobic slurs, so please listen with caution. Apparently, my dad had asked my brother if I was gay, um, maybe two years before my relationship with Maddie. Um, but when it was confirmed, um, he called me a dyke. Um, my mom, um, made me pray in front of her. Um, she made me ask for forgiveness. Um, she made me kneel on the ground in front of her bed with the crucifix hanging above her head and pray to God for forgiveness. Welcome to Fake Names, Real Love, a series where anonymous Columbia students tell us about their experiences with love, relationships, hookups, romance, sex, friendship, and everything in between. All names have been changed to protect the privacy of those interviewed. In this episode, we're talking to Jamie, a sophomore at Columbia College, about how her relationship with her first girlfriend taught her complicated lessons about how it feels to want and be wanted by someone. Jamie also speaks with us about getting outed as a lesbian to her Catholic family during her sophomore year of high school, detailing what that experience taught her about the limits of parental love. So if you want to just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, um, however much or little you feel comfortable with. Sure. Uh, hi, I'm Jamie. Um, I'm a sophomore in CC, and I use she, her pronouns. So how did you and this person meet? Um, we met my sophomore year of high school. Um, through a mutual friend uh, in school, we would just, we had a free period together um, as well as this mutual friend and we just started hanging out pretty much every day at school. And what's her name? Maddie. So you and Maddie were hanging out every day. How did it go from friends to more? Well, for pretty much an entire semester, it was mostly just friendly. Then around... December, it started getting a little flirty, um, and then eventually um, one of our mutual friends made a, a little joke about us being really close and how we should go on a date sometime. Um, I was feeling a little bold that day, and I said, sure, just text me, and she did, and then we started to date. What was the moment where you knew that you wanted it to be serious and exclusive? It was when I felt safe around her and her mom. Um, and I felt safer being myself around her and her mom than I did with my conservative Catholic parents at home. It's really interesting that her parent, or I guess her mother, played such a big role in your decision to date her. Like, I feel like that's potentially like unusual for a lot of circumstances. For, for most circumstances, definitely, but uh, this was also my first real, well, hers and I's first real relationship, and especially in that conservative area, um, it was really important to us that we both felt safe, um, and like we always had a place to, we always had a place to go um, if things ever went wrong, and so... Her house was that place. We always felt safe and comfortable there. 
especially because her mom just provided such a uh, a welcoming home for us. So this was your first relationship. What did it feel like? It was really intense. So for the first like month of test dates, um, we had we had good chemistry, but we never did anything um, too serious. Um, we were both really nervous with each other, um, and it took us several months before we even had sex, um, just because both of us were so new to it. Um, we never did anything but kiss um, for the first several months, but I definitely have memories of not leaving her bed for like three hours, doing nothing but kissing and touching. Do you think it was mainly because you guys were so young and it was your first relationship? Like, what was the tentativeness um, surrounding sex really about, for you at least? She was a little over a year and a half older than I was. And so I was 14, she was 15. Um, and so for me, the, the tentativeness was more from my age. I, I definitely wasn't ready when we first started dating to, to have sex or anything really beyond kissing. Um, but for her, she definitely was ready. We'd had discussions about it. Um, but she was too shy to make a move. And so eventually after a couple of months, I decided that I was ready and I knew that I was going to have to be the one to kind of progress it, which kind of felt natural. Something that I had also resented in the relationship was that every single time anything progressed, it was from me making a move. I was the one who flirted first. I was the one who asked her on the date. I was the one who asked her to be my girlfriend. I was the one who initiated the first kiss. I had to be the one to initiate the first time we had sex. So what about that really bothered you? It was frustrating because sometimes it felt like she didn't want it as much as I did. Um, and it felt weird to only be the one initiating it. Um, so it felt like I was pursuing her and sometimes it felt like she didn't want me. And so I, sometimes I still wish that she had done something at the time to, to make me feel wanted the way that I wanted her. It like, it doesn't, it doesn't end. Even my relationships now, like that's still a constant issue. Um, and it's, I think it's, partially to do with the lesbian culture um, among um, people my age. Um, but it's definitely frustrating to always have to be the pursuer, never the pursued. Um, despite how many times someone tells you that they want you, um, people never show it. And it hurts sometimes. So you talked about how this relates to the lesbian culture. I want to ask about how it relates to like sexual roles in like queer sex dynamics. Well, obviously it's it's the the top bottom dynamic. But I don't know if I've met um enough lesbian tops to kind of make a broad statement like this. But to me, I've always felt that the bottom is always more in control of the the sex at the time because the bottom is always dictating what they want the top to do to them. 
Um, and that was still true when I was with Maddie um, in that I, it was up to me as the top in our relationship to, at least um, with regards to sex, I had to kind of piece together what she wanted me to do um, while we were having sex, um, just reading her nonverbal cues um, and just trying to, to get a read on her body language and how she was reacting to me. And so part of my frustration um, that I mentioned was also just from sometimes in the middle of sex, I wanted to just say, just like, tell me what you want me to do. Tell me where you want me to put my hands. Because sometimes you can feel her reacting um, like she doesn't want you that badly. And you want to just scream, like, tell me how I can make you want me. Those are really intense feelings to be having in a relationship, especially at such a young age. Did you ever tell her that you were feeling this way? Um, I think we had one conversation about it, but she was, she was pretty staunch about, um, I don't know. She never really wanted to express any of that to me. She felt nervous. She felt shy. She felt embarrassed. Um, even though sometimes I would feel embarrassed as a result of my upbringing about what I was doing. I would feel shame about what we were doing and I was always the one to continue progressing it. And so after that one conversation that we had when she wasn't receptive, um, I just stopped trying to ask. When you say she wasn't receptive, what exactly do you mean? We had the conversation. I asked her in non-sexual, like, um, just in like day-to-day -day life, um, I asked her to um, be more forward with her wanting me. I wanted her to reach out for my hand instead of mine for hers. Um, and she said she felt shy, she was nervous, she didn't know um, when I would want her. And I was like, bitch, me either, but I do it anyway. And so, I don't know, after that conversation, um, I just, I decided it wasn't worth it. And then the summer happened. The next portion of Jamie's story contains mentions of homophobia and homophobic slurs. During the summer of her sophomore year of high school, Jamie's parents found out she was gay. So Jamie, can you tell us about what happened that summer? So for pretty much my whole life, um, I've been Catholic. Um, my parents are Catholic. My Pretty much my whole family is Catholic. Um, when I figured out that I was gay, it left me with a lot of shame. Um, because I knew what my parents' stance on gay people was. I knew what my stance on gay people was. I had, before I figured out that I was a lesbian, I had expressed my discontent with gay people who were um, shoving it in people's faces. And so when I figured out that I was gay, there were several months of me desperately trying to look at men the way I looked at women. 
um, and it never worked. My parents were also very strict. Um, and so I was on a trip for two weeks. Um, when I left home, everything was totally fine. Everybody was having a good time. It was the summer. Um, my sister had just graduated from high school. I got a call on the second to last day of the trip um, from my brother who was briefly in contact with my parents and with my sister. My parents are pretty Catholic um, and my sister um, had done something not so Catholic. And he told me, delete everything incriminating off of your phone, log out of everything, delete any photos you don't want our parents to see the house is going insane. And so from what I could gather, um, he didn't have that much time to talk. He wasn't at home. He was in, he was off doing some internship, but he had gotten a call from my sister who was camping out in one of the bathrooms in our house, um, trying to call him because she was scared and she needed to talk to someone. And my parents had cut off all means of communication. And he only knew limited information because my parents heard her um, and removed all of the home phones as well from the house. And so all he knew was that my sister had gone out partying with her friends and her boyfriend. And my parents didn't like that. And so they, um, well, I don't really know. Nobody really talks about what happened in those couple of days. Um, I can't get my parents or my sister to tell me what happened. Um, I just know that when I got home, it was, it was bad. If your sister was the one who was in trouble, why did you have to delete everything from your phone? So at the time I had a, a Finsta, um, and I had a grand total of one post about being gay. Out of like approximately how many? Probably 200. And... I had logged out of my account. Um, I deleted the post and everything before I got home when my brother called me. But my parents had already been through my sister's phone, found my sister's Finsta, and used that to look at mine. And so I got home um, and suddenly the focus was no longer on my sister who had committed the original transgression. And now it was on me for being gay and having a girlfriend. The first time that I saw them since I came back from the trip, it was a two week trip, um, they didn't say anything because they were trying to hide that the house was a mess. Um, and then that night I got woken up at four in the morning um, by my mother who dragged me out of bed and into her room where my dad was waiting, closed and locked the door and interrogated me for two to three hours about what I knew about my sister's partying habits and about me being gay, mostly the latter. Um, I tried to downplay what Maddie and I had, um, but it didn't work. They, they asked me a lot of questions about both Maddie and I. Um, they, basically they weren't happy. They were not happy with it. 
Well, the first thing that they asked wasn't if I was gay. They asked if I was dating Maddie because she'd been to the house a couple of times. She'd met my parents um, and my parents knew that we were friends. Um, and my parents are smart. They're both very, very bright people. And so obviously they knew something was going on. Um, apparently my dad had asked my brother if I was gay um, maybe two years before my relationship with Maddie. Um, but when it was confirmed, um, he called me a dyke. Um, my mom um, made me pray in front of her. Um, she made me ask for forgiveness. Um, she made me kneel on the ground in front of her bed with the crucifix hanging above her head and pray to God for forgiveness. How did that make you feel? I mean, obviously I was in tears. Like, I, I loved my parents. Um, and even now, it's hard to reconcile some of the things they did while still acknowledging that they were good parents. I had a good childhood and I loved my parents then and I love my parents now. And so it was, it was really hard to go through a couple of hours with them um, invalidating who I was um, and a part of my identity that I feel so strongly about. Um, it was really hard to have that taken down by people that you love. So after the interrogation thing happened, um, the next few months were pretty much hell because this is June. The school year doesn't start until August and I have nowhere to go for the next three months. I don't have a car. I don't have anywhere to go. I'm 14 years old and my parents can do pretty much whatever they want. And so I spent the next three months um, sitting at home. Um, my parents took away every electronic in the house and changed all of the passcodes on every device in the house. I had no internet access. I had no way to contact my friends. Um, and I, I couldn't do anything. What about you and Maddie? Well, I had told Maddie and one of our other friends that something was going down at home. Um, and I knew my parents had taken away my phone in the past. So I knew that they might do something like that again. And so half as a joke, I told them, hey, if I don't text you guys for like three days, just like come and swing by the house and check on me, make sure I'm still alive, haha. -ha. Um, except I didn't text them for three months. And so after the first couple of days, they, um, they came by the house. Um, they weren't on the trip with me. And so they brought me some ice cream um, and under the guise of oh, we just wanted to say hey to, to Jamie. Um, we wanted, we missed her. She hasn't been answering our texts. So we just wanted to say hey. Um, my dad answered the door when they arrived. Um, and he let me have a grand total of three minutes on the porch with them um, while we spoke. I gave them a brief rundown of everything that was happening. Um, and then... Our three minutes were up. Um, I came back inside um, and they left. And then my dad 
retrieved my phone, unlocked it, handed it to me, and told me to text them not to come by the house again. And so I didn't see Maddie for the next few months until the school year started. Were you guys still dating? What was the situation with that? Before I left for the trip, even while we were on the trip, we were still happy. We were texting every day. Um, and then it was just radio silence for me. And I don't know if I can count if we were still dating in that time or not. But when I came back to school, it was like nothing had changed. But also a lot of things had changed for me. And it was hard for her to kind of, to kind of deal with that. What had changed about you? Um, previously, I was not out to my parents. In our, previously in our relationship, I was not out to my parents. Um, and now I was. Now they knew. And I couldn't be any more open about my relationship with her to them. And it really hurt to not be able to show my affection for her around my parents when I wanted to, um, even though they knew. And so not only did her not being out take a toll on me, but also not being able to do anything um, as, a as a result of my parents. Um, it, was, it was really tough. Did your parents ever come around? Like, did they ever stop seeing your identity and your actions as a sin? Um, I don't know how well I can answer that. Um, but I know that for homecoming, my junior year, um, they let me take her as my date. Um, and I was super excited. I had a corsage and everything. We were going to go take pictures because we were also in the group. Um, we arrived and I'd forgotten the corsage at home. Um, I didn't know what I was going to do, um, and my dad didn't say anything. He just drove home by himself and came back with the corsage. And so I don't know if he ever approved. I don't know if he was ever okay with it, but it sent the message that he cared enough about me to respect that part of me. And so I was, I was content with that. What about your relationship with Maddie? How did that fare? Um, as much as we tried, um, with the whole thing that happened with my parents, um, my perspective on um, how I wanted to treat the relationship had changed. I was even more adamant about wanting to be kind of out and proud. Um, and she just wasn't ready for that. And she did make an effort towards the end she came out to her family is by she told her mom that we were dating um but it just wasn't enough she still wasn't happy to be seen with me in public she was still shy and embarrassed and so eventually I just I gave up and and I broke up with her what did this whole situation, both your relationship with Maddie, but also the way that it was viewed by your parents, what did that teach you about like love or yourself or like relationships in general? 
Well, it taught me that I need to be with someone who's happy to be seen with me, um, who isn't embarrassed to be seen in public with me. I know I can never date someone who's closeted ever again. It's too much. It's too hard. Um, and then I also learned that my parents love me. Um, even through the, the haze of Catholicism and both their and I's relationship with the church. Um, I know that they love me. Um, and even if they're not happy with me, they still respect me. How do your parents feel about your identity now? Nowadays, my mom asks me about my relationships. Um, she's asked me if I've had a girlfriend. Um, She's asked if there are any girls that I've been interested in at school. Um, and she's made the effort to reach out and kind of... We've never actually had a discussion about what happened that summer. But I think at this point she's made her peace with it. Um, and I think she, that she knows that I take my relationships with, with women just as seriously as she does hers with men. Um, and I think she respects that. Um, my dad and I have never discussed it since that summer. He never asks me about girls. Um, one time he made a joke about me like getting married to a man. Um, and then immediately after he said the joke, he made eye contact. And then it seemed like he remembered that I was a lesbian and just kind of like left like the room. Like he just like left. Um, so I think my mom and my dad are on different pages, but it's definitely not the same level of tension that it caused four years ago. That's for sure. Well, what about you and Maddie? <laughs> well, um, we may or may not have hooked up over winter break. Um, much to the dismay of someone that I'm currently seeing. But vibes are good. She's reached out a couple of times. She asked if she could come see me in New York sometime. I said no. Um, but I wished her well. Um, she's reached out a couple of times since. And I keep wishing her well. <laughs> <laughs> so she wants you back. It seems like it. I think she regrets um, some of the decisions that she made, um, and some of the way that she's acted. I don't know, maybe she's grown a pair of balls. Um. Is she out now? She's out now. So, so it's possible. It's possible. Maybe she will hold my hand in public for once, <laughs> but I'm not going to wait around and find out. I've moved on. Jamie's story shows us that sometimes love looks a little different for queer people. Her relationship with Maddie shaped the way that she views desire in lesbian relationships, both in terms of romance and sex. Jamie, like so many of us, wanted to feel wanted by the person that she was dating, but felt like she had to make the effort every time. The unequal desire dynamic was only compounded by the fact that Maddie wasn't out and couldn't show Jamie affection in public. The other side of the story shows a darker side to queer love and relationships. What it looks like when your parents are homophobic. 
Jamie's experience being outed in a strict Catholic family offers insight into the emotional turmoil that unaccepting families can bring. In Carol, a lesbian thriller novel by Patricia Highsmith, a 1942 Barnard graduate, the author comments on unsupportive families. They may not be the whole world, but they are enough to make you feel invalidated and alone. It can feel lonely to exist with an identity that your parents, who you're supposed to love and trust, attempt to change. Jamie spoke a lot about shame. The shame she felt for being a lesbian and being Catholic, the shame she felt when her parents begged her to pray for forgiveness for something she can't change, and the shame she felt while having sex with her first girlfriend. I hope that her courage to speak about the harm that she experienced encourages dialogue about the emotional damage that treating queerness as shameful can cause. If you or someone you know is struggling with experiences similar to what Jamie describes, please feel free to call the Gay, Lesbian, Bisexual, and Transgender National Hotline at 888-843-4564 or The Trevor Project at 866-488-7386. Thanks for tuning in to Fake Names, Real Love. If you have a story about love, relationships, hookups, romance, sex, friendship, or anything in between, you can email me at podcast at columbiaspectator.com.